In this episode, I talked to my friend Rival. And the reason I was interested in having this conversation is a couple of weeks back we were talking and he told me that a topic that has been on his mind lately is what he wished he knew when he was 20 years old. And as you know, a big topic within this podcast is exactly that. And a big reason why I started this podcast is exactly that topic. So Raibo was very candid in this conversation and he really shared with me what he has learned over the last 10 years of his life because he's now 30 years old and what he exactly wished he knew when he was 20. There was definitely a couple of things that I learned myself and I truly enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed too. All right, Raibo, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Payman. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. So for people who are listening, the reason that I'm interested to talk to Raibo, Raibo, I know him through work. And at work, he's always been someone who has been very involved in helping people. He's always been someone who is like looking out for interns, helping other people. And the last week or maybe two weeks ago, we were talking and Raibo recently became 30 years old. And as we know, when you're 30, you start thinking about life. And he brought up a point which I found really interesting. He was talking about the things that he wished he knew when he was 20 years old and how much those things would have helped him. So that's why I'm talking to Raibo to really talk about that and see what his thoughts are about things that are important for a 20-year-old to know. So Raibo, does that sound good to you? Yeah, I mean, thank you, Paymon, for inviting me onto the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. So let's just start there. So why don't you just tell me where did this whole... Uh, concept of thinking about what did you wish when you were 20 years old come to you and then what are some of those things that come to your mind when you think I wish I knew that when I was younger yeah so let's break down your question into two aspects what made me think about this first and then we can talk about what are some things that I, I will tell my 20 year old self so I think it started around my birthday um, in 2020. So as you know, 2020 was a crazy year and my birthday is in August. So during that time frame, a lot of things happened in my personal life. So I, I had a birthday, my grandpa passed away and my sister moved out. Um, so I was going through a lot of personal changes on top of what I experienced, what the changes I experienced at work on top of what's going on in the world, right? The pandemic and stuff. So the first thing that triggered me to think about is when my grandpa passed away, I've been thinking about what did he leave me? Like what kind of lessons, what kind of learnings did he he leave me? And at the time I was actually quite upset because I felt like I didn't get anything from him, like other than his blood, right? Like there's no life lessons and whatnot. Maybe I didn't reflect deep enough, but I was not close with him. Um, before he passed away and because we live in different countries. So that got me thinking about what is the legacy I want to leave for my children, my grandchildren when I pass away in this life, right? So it got me thinking about, got me thinking about this and I thought, wow, okay, so now is an opportunity for me to think about the legacy I want to leave for for um, the future generations that I can I can live with, right? And that got me thinking because also at the same time, like 30 years old, this is when you start to build a family, you start to have kids, right? And I don't have any kids right now, but I just open up my chapter of thinking about that. And as I think about it, I thought about what would I even tell my 20-year-old self, right? And this whole process between August till December, I was just thinking about this and there's nothing concrete that really came up but it was um in january 2021 i was doing a year-end review for my work uh, i wanted to just show how how awesome i am to my boss and i looked at the list of achievements that i accomplished in 2021 and i was like man i I achieved a lot and because I had a great reflection of the year 2020 I thought well let's reflect the past decade so I, I went to my Facebook look at what kind of posts I was posting when I was like 20 when I was 25 looked at the people that I was hanging around and I, I jot down some of the things that I learned because I've wit- witnessed myself kind of by reflecting back 
and looking at previous pictures and say, if I knew what I knew right now when I was 20, my 30 years would be totally different, right? I, I could have, I could probably be a, in a better trajectory compared to where I'm now. Um, am I grateful for where I am? Yes, right? I'm, I work at a Fortune 500 company. I work on strategy design, change management. I consult senior leaders. I'm making a, a big impact, right? But it took me a while to really get here. And I just thought if I could travel back in time, I would tell a couple of things to my 20 year old self, right? Does that, does that, does that satisfy your, your first question there, Paywan? It does. And it's, you know, it's, it's way deeper than I thought. It's, uh, it's obviously a hard thing when, when a family member passes away. And I think with grandparents, especially, um, you all, you obviously know that the time that you have with them is limited. And when they're, they're gone, you, you think to yourself, you're like, yeah, did I have all the conversations that I could have had? You know, did I learn about the family history? But on top of that, yeah, did I learn all the, lessons that I needed to learn. So yeah, I think that definitely answers my first question. So now the question is, what were some of the things that you think you didn't know that really were like impediment to you, like that really held you back, right? Or what were some of the beliefs that you had when you were 20 years old that now you look back on and you're like, wow, like, I can't believe I used to think that way. And I'm so, I used to be so wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, Payman, I have to say, I don't really remember what my belief at the time was, but I can only say what I believe in right now is very different than what I believed when I was 20, right? Um, recalling from my memory, back then, I was just a kid trying to impress the world, trying to impress my social circle. So everything I did back then was to seek validation, was to seek social approval from my family, from my culture, from my friends, from whoever, right? I wanted to show them that I am enough for them, right? I wanna show them I'm the best person, I'm blah, 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 right? But it's all about impressing people. It's all about meeting that expectation the society or the community sets up for you. And through time, I start to look inward and really look at how I define success internally versus how people define success. And that shifted everything that I do um, in my personal life at work. So the, I mean, the key things that I would tell my younger self, 20 year old self and any, any listeners out there that are around the age of 20 is focus on running your own race. We all have a race to run. Don't compete with others, compete with yourself, focus on running your own race, right? And second thing is focus on what you can control, right? Most of the time, um, and, and I, I, fall, I fall into this too, is when I post something on Instagram, when I post something on LinkedIn, I, I think I wish people would like my posts, right? Like before what I did was I post stuff on Instagram, I post stuff on LinkedIn, and if within like, 12 hours, and there's no likes, I would delete them, right? And, and I know a lot of people that do this and they don't admit it, but I openly admit it because I feel this is a great thing to admit that you're recognizing the behaviors that you're demonstrating, right? So what do I mean by focus on what you can control? So you can control that you can post that content. You can control reaching out to people. Rejecting you, not liking your post is not within your control. Right. So I, I just focused on what I can control. And that mantra alone got me very far. So those are the two key kind of um, uh, lessons that I would share with my younger self. And that's just pure life philosophy. Right. I, I, we can talk about financial lessons, investment lessons later on. But those are the two key leadership and life philosophies that have been driving me and propelling me forward to achieving my definition of success yeah so there's two things that come to my mind one is i was <laughs> this was a while back this is the the ceo or the founder of instagram and he was talking about like some of the use cases of people using instagram that he doesn't understand and one of the things he talked about was like yeah like 40 percent of the users post a story or post a post and if it doesn't get enough likes they delete it like 25 minutes after and he's like i don't get that, but I guess that's like something that happens out there. And it's true, right? Like everyone feels so self-conscious. The second thing is, you know, one of the 
one of my favorite things about growing up has been knowing myself better and feeling more confident in being myself because I'm like, you know, as I grow older, I, you just get more self-confidence in who you are. I feel like when you're in like, when you're young, you know, you're just trying to fit in and so on. So the question is, when do you think that change happened where you were like, I'm not, and, and why is it that it happens for all of us towards the end of our 20s? Like, why is it that it happens towards our end of our 20s? And why do you think that change happens where you're like, you know what, like, I'm interested in who I am. I'm no longer trying to fit in as much. And let's be honest, we all try to fit in still, right? But you're not fitting, trying to fit in as much as before. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a good answer, um, but I can definitely speak to my personal experience is things started to change for me around when I was 25, right? So at the time I had a very bad relationship that just ended and I was reflecting upon that relationship, thinking about how it even started. And that's the time when I started to look inward. So previously, I've been looking outward, right? You think about the, the, the good cars that people drive, the good degrees that people have, the big houses, money, all the external definition of success, right? Like material wealth. Then I started looking inward and I, I moved back from, so I finished my undergrad. I came to Vancouver and I was very lucky. I met a mentor called James Fu. He really opened my, my doors to... Uh, strengthening my internal mindset towards a lot of things, right? So that's the pivotal moment where I started to take um, kind of dealing with my inner roommate um, very seriously. So really focusing on what I can control and running my own race and constantly reminding myself that I'm not here to compete with others. I'm here to compete with myself, right? And the only judge to my success should be myself. And that's how I'm able to stay happy. I'm able to stay content um, with my progress. Even though if you look at me, if you compare myself with another 30 year old, maybe they're much more successful in terms of material wealth, but I would say I'm, I'm much more successful in other areas of life, right? So it's really difficult to make that comparison. So I just say, well, why, why even compare? Because comparison is the root cause of suffering. People suffer because they compare. And then they see themselves not enough. Um, they see themselves as not good enough. Not, not, um, and then they feel bad about themselves, right? So like you said, like this journey between 20 and 30s, it's, a, it's like a decade of exploration, trial and error. Right. And wherever you wherever you end up, you're 30 years old, I'm pretty sure you're much better than when you're in twenties. Maybe I don't know if it's a rule, but hopefully that's the case for so <laughs> you brought up you brought up an interesting person. So James Fu. Um, I described you as someone who likes to help out younger people. I think James Fu is the godfather of doing that, right? So he's always very open to helping out younger people what are do you remember anything specific because i know james likes to give direct advice to right he doesn't beat around the bushes right so do you think any do you remember anything specific that he told you about you know caring about only what you want to do and not caring so much about what everyone else wants you to do do you remember any of the specific instances or any of the books or anything that he told you that stands out in your memory yeah i mean we we had many conversations but the two things that really stuck out was uh, he taught me to focus on what I could control and he taught me to, to run my own race. And he, he kind of set that example by really living those two models in his life um, and recommended me many books, uh, for example, on stoicism, right? Ego is the enemy, obstacles, the way. Um, he recommended me a couple books like uh, Untethered Soul um, to really empower me to explore what's within me and how do I manage my ego, if you will, right? So he opened the door for me to become a better person. And I definitely put in a lot of work um, to work on myself and deal with that, that inner roommate, right? As, uh, as the untethered soul calls it. And um, 
Yeah. So now let's talk specifics. So there was two things that you said, right? So one is you don't care as much about other people, right? So give me some examples of that and how you do that differently now. Like what is Ribo doing today that yeah. Ribo five years ago would be like, wow, Ribo has is so different now. What what am I doing today? Or yeah, in terms of in terms of that, you know, in terms of that bucket of not caring about other people, right? Like what are some of the actions that you have taken lately? Or is there anything that comes to your mind where you're like, yeah, like in that instance, I made a decision that I would have definitely not made five years ago, you know. I'm asking all the tough questions. You didn't expect all the tough questions, but I'm curious to know. And I welcome the tough questions. That's what that's what makes people think and that's what makes people reflect and grow, right? Um, so the one that comes to my mind immediately is about is about my uh, what is it called? It's about my uh, physical appearance, the physical figure, if you will. So my weight. So like in, in the past, I've been dealing with uh, weight issues, right? So if you look at the BMI index, I'm constantly overweight. There is never a point in time, maybe <laughs> after grade 10, that I am in terms of a, like a healthy weight, right? So growing up, I struggle with weight management. And that gave me a sense of uh, inferiorness, inferiorness. Right. So it feels like I'm always um, other people are always better than me because they have six pack abs. They have a better physique. Right. Like you, Pema, you have a much better physique than I do. But then recent, I think recent two years, I start to get very comfortable with myself that I own my body. I own my body regardless of what shows up on the scale. Right. What I want is a healthy lifestyle, an energetic lifestyle. So whatever shows up on my scale, I just don't care. If you tell, if other people tell me that I'm fat, I don't care because I don't think I'm fat, right? So like the, the, the whole mindset changed from before I was so focused on the weight on the, on the scale and what people say of me. Now I just kind of tune out what people tell me. Like even to this day, I still have people telling me that you're overweight, you're too fat. Right. But to me, I focus on what I can do with my body. I can lift heavy ass weights that people can't lift. Right. I compete in competitions. There's different weight classes. So I start to play what I used to see as my weakness to my strengths. Right. Like I can easily move heavy stuff when people can't. That's my strength. Well, sorry, I, I'm overweight, but I can move your refrigerator for you, right? I can move your your uh, your stove for you, right? Pay me for it. But it's really also when I was looking back, I looked at um, previously my, my photo from about eight years ago. I remember I weighed how much at the time and I weighed exactly the same about right now. But my physical appearance was is very different. So previously it was just all fat. Now, because I, I do a lot of Olympic weightlifting, my whole body composition changed. So I look much better shaped compared to the same weight that I weighed eight years ago. And that got me very comfortable, right? So like even now, I don't care what people think of me in terms of my weight. I think about the things that I can do. I think about the value that I can provide to people and not get sucked into this, oh, uh, I'm not good enough because I don't have a six, six pack abs, right? My, my boss doesn't care if I have a six pack abs. My, he, he cares if I can finish my work. He cares if I can deliver quality stuff. So this, like this, although it's a small example, it shifted my mindset thinking about how can I leverage my strengths versus trying to compete and trying to catch up to others and kind of uh, trying to catch up people because I'm weak in a certain area, right? So I, I tend to tell myself, if you put a fish on a tree, the fish wouldn't do anything, right? So the fish has to be in the water. And for me, it also took me a while to really discover what my water is. Right? Where is the environment that I would excel in and what I can do to leverage my strengths? 
That is that is such an interesting answer. And I was at when he started answering, I was like, right, well, you need to talk about the fact that you're a beast in weightlifting because I know I know how much you do in the powerlifting world and in just Olympic Olympic lifting, I think you do. Um so yeah, so I mean I mean I mean let, let me just uh, dive that a, a bit deeper. I, I think it's the self-image that I've been dealing with, I've been battling with, struggling with. In, in the past, since I was 20, right? Like 18, 20. I've been dealing with that self-image, thinking that I'm not enough because I'm fat, because I'm this, because I'm that, right? And that limited my actions in a lot of areas because my focus is where I'm not good enough. My focus is not where I'm strong and how can I leverage more of my strengths, right? So again, kind of after I, I started working in the corporate world, I learned from many mentors that if you want to go far in your career, leverage your strengths. If you want to develop character, work on your weakness, right? And I, I kind of work on both at the same time. But the thing that it took me a while to really discover my strengths also ties back to maybe my cultural upbringing is that, hey, always listen to the leaders, always kind of be behave, be a good student, be a good whatever, right? And then I, was, I think it's just the rebel inside of me. I just don't want to listen to leaders all the time, right? Because how do I know they're all right all the time, right? And this is no disrespect to, to my boss or whatever, but it's just a general mindset that I've been suppressed quite long for for a long period of time because of cultural upbringing, right? Because of what my parents have taught me. And it's only through, through kind of navigating in the corporate world, I started to learn more about what I'm good at. I started to learn what I can do. What is the potential that I can bring to the table, right? And again, back to if I could recommend my 20-year-old self, I would say take uh, take professional assessments. Really use the assessments to help you see who you are, help you see what strengths you are. Because when we're exploring, we might not know what we're good at, but we kind of know, we just can't verbalize it, right? So through the assessments, I was able to confirm there are a couple of areas that I'm really, really good at. One of them is um, kind of what you say, connecting the dots. So I'm really good at seeing patterns amongst everything. So whenever I'm in meetings or discussions, people don't, like I would see things very clearly, how they connect right away. And I would be frustrated why others can't see that. And because at the time, I didn't know that I'm good at that. I thought everybody has this talent of seeing how things connect together, right? So another recommendation is use any tools that you have access to to help you understand what you're good at and play to your strengths. So here's an interesting question for you. So how, like, how do you find, so you mentioned assessments to find out if what you're good at, right? Yeah. And then how do you think of the things that you're good at? Do you think you're good at the things that you like doing? Do you think you have a natural talent? I mean, does that question make sense? It's an abstract question, but you know, I remember when I was younger, I was like, everyone's like, yeah, follow, follow your passion or do things you like. And I'm just like, I don't know what I like. Yeah. So what is that process like? And is, do you, do you excel at things that you just enjoy doing? Or do you think you just, I mean, yeah, this, this is going to get philosophical maybe, yeah. but how do you think <laughs> of that? I, I think I understand your question, Damon. I, I had that, I had that question too, um, about maybe four or five years ago. And what I learned from, from mentors is your strengths is actually not what you're good at. It's what gives you energy, okay? So imagine you're really good at something, but you hate it. You, you won't be able to do that for long, right? But if you really love doing something, it gives you energy. No matter how bad you are at it, you suck so much you will want to work on it, want to improve, right? So to me, the definition of strengths is what gives you energy. And if you can find a kind of an intersect of what gives you energy and what you're naturally good at, bam, that's your sweet spot, 
right? But of course, at the same time, we wanna we wanna earn money, right? We need to have a living. So at the same time, if you can tie what you're good at, so what you're naturally good at, versus what gives you energy, versus what the the world is willing to pay for, so three circles in the middle, that's what I call a sweet spot, and that's that's right on. That's the part that where you wanna be most of the time, is you get paid doing what you love and doing what you're great at. I think I think that is the best definition of strength, right? Because it almost becomes unfair when you really enjoy. I mean, you have a, we we all have been on both sides of it, right? Yeah. There are things that we don't like doing as much, and then you see other people who are just obsessed from it, and they get so much energy. And you're like, like this is stupid. Why am I competing in this area where I'm clearly not as excited about it? And then sometimes you are so excited about something, you get so much energy from doing something, and everyone else is like. I don't understand this person. And, and I, I think that is the key. Like once you find things that it doesn't even matter if you're getting paid, right? Like just for your whole well-being, when you do things that gives you energy, your quality of life just increases. So I love that answer. And I haven't even heard of strengths being defined that way, but I think that's the best definition of personal strengths that I've heard. So now let's go back to the other. So I think the two points that you brought up is actually very similar, right? You're saying don't care about other people's opinion and focus on things that you can control. So they're they're very much similar because to care about other people's opinion are things that you can't control. Exactly. Do you have do you have any examples of um, do you have any examples of the first part? So we asked about controlling other people's opinion, right? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> so the two messages that you have is don't so the two main messages that you have for your 20 year old self right one is don't focus on what other people think of you right and then two is it's yeah um it's actually run your own race focus on what you can control right so um you want an example of it I, because I thought I thought like the the example that you gave the first time was very interesting about about your weight and how you looked at your self image and and that transformation right. If there's yeah. no other examples because they're related, we can move on. But if there is something that comes to your mind, do share, please. Yeah, I can, I can. So let let me um, frame it in maybe a general career promotion perspective. So when I when I joined. Uh, the workforce, I was trying to catch up to my peers. So um, a brief a brief summary is that I spent more time than I needed in university. So relatively to my peers, I'm behind, I'm behind because I graduated later. And when I joined the workforce, my first mentality is I want to catch up to my peers, right? So I wanted to catch up so bad that I wanted to figure out the system. I want to know how, how, how do you get promoted? How do you fast track to, you know, getting to senior level, blah, blah, blah. And I got challenged by my mentor saying that, well, if, you're, if all of your focus is there, when are you spending time to actually do the work, right? So that kind of made me had an epiphany saying that, well, if I'm trying to catch up, I'm running, other people's race. I'm running the race that I'm trying to um, satisfy the, the, the culture. I'm trying not to be seen as a failure, right? I'm trying to race, trying to catch up to something, trying to race for something. So my whole mindset shifted. I focused on what I could control, right? I focused on running my own race. So I focused on what are the things that I can do today and what are the things that I can do extremely well? So first of all, I did my job well. I took additional project opportunities. I took on a lot of volunteer opportunities. Then my network grew exponentially. Right? I was able to meet a lot of people within the first two years of my career. And that really helped me open a lot of doors. It helped me got my name out there. So in the, early, in the very beginning, I, I was going around, talking to people, asking for opportunities. And later, I was very good at what I do. Opportunities started coming my way, right? People say, hey, Rybo, can you come and speak about networking? Rybo, can you come and help out this project? Can you help out with this initiative, right? I didn't have to go out and sell myself anymore. So that was another example how 
I focused on running my own race and, and really tie that into what I'm good at, focusing what I can control. And that's what uh, made me successful today, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So a lot of your examples is work-related. Do, do these things apply? I mean, not a lot of it because you just talked about something else that wasn't work-related. But okay, let's let's move on. And because I know you have a lot of lessons that you want to tell your 20-year-old right. self, right? So the, these are the first two that we talked about. Well, what is another well, bucket? Okay, let's talk about let's talk about um, investing. And I can give you another example of invest uh, of um, running your own race. So let's talk about cars, for example, right? So normally in society, we value great cars, right? Like if you drive a BMW, if you drive a Mercedes, people see you as you're doing well in life. You're kind of, um, you're this aspiring leader, like trying to go up the, the corporate ladder, whatnot, right? I don't have a Mercedes. I don't have a BMW. I have a, I have a car from 2007. I'm very happy driving it. Because what, what's a car? A car just takes you from point A to point B, right? Maybe, maybe the BMW gets there like a second faster, but really, is it worth it? Is it worth the extra, I don't know, $60,000? And that's what gets me into um, the investment and financial side of the lesson is in the past two years or so, I, I started learning about finance. I started learning about investing. And... I was very amazed by how easily you could possibly uh, get $1 million in your portfolio, right? Just through investing index funds with monthly $300 contributions, right? And you can grow that portfolio down to up to 1 million within 30 years or so, right? And that's the power of compounding, right? So. A linear, uh, linear thinking is easy to understand, right? If I ask, if I ask you, what's eight plus eight plus eight plus eight plus eight, right? Like you can do the math fairly quickly in your mind. But if I ask you, what is eight times eight times eight times eight times eight times eight times eight, your mind is gonna blow up, right? Because exponential thinking is very different than linear thinking. So if we go back, and I would tell my twenty-year-old self. Stop, stop spending money to impress people. Stop spending money to seek social approval. Take those money, invest in, in index funds. And I actually did some calculations. So if, if I were to invest um, the scholarships or whatever money I had during that time, roughly speaking, I think those money would, would, would grow from, uh, I forgot the starting amount, but it would end up about 100K as of today, yeah, right? And that, that's the lesson that I would tell myself is, yeah, at the time you bought this great jacket to impress girls, you, you bought this thing to impress your classmates. What's the point, right? What, what did you get? On the other side, the opportunity cost is you lost the chance to invest in one of the longest bull, um, bull runs in history from 2008 to 2020, right? Yeah. So if I could tie everything together, spending is also tied to self-image. And if you always just think about buying stuff to impress people, then I think you're not running your own race, right? So like, we, I remember I talked to you about last night, like a millennial coaching question is, if you can't post this on Instagram, would you still do it, right? Like that's a, that's a legit question I think many people need to think about. If, if you're about to do something today and you can't tell anybody, would you still do it? And that I, really will force you, that will force you to reevaluate re a lot of your decisions. You should trademark that phrase as like <laughs> as rival coaching. If you can't post it on Instagram, would you still do it? So, you know, there's a couple of things that come to my mind about that. I think there's, you know, with material, actually not even with material stuff, right? With everything, I, this is my personal experience. What I have realized is if you're doing it to impress other people, it's a waste of time, right? But there's a lot of stuff that costs money that you like doing and you enjoy doing it yourself right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it may even appear 
that what you're doing is to impress other people, but that's not the case. And the only judge is yourself because that's all that matters, right? So I Thank think you. there's a there's a there's a fine balance of like you know like you hear all these things right like oh, don't buy Starbucks, invest every cup of coffee and it'll turn into it's like yeah like obviously do these things but there's a balance of enjoying today versus investing for tomorrow and that's not only for money that's also for how you spend your time and everything else like that right but i don't think it's as black and white as we make it seem like right like if you enjoy doing something do more of it and all for you but just don't do things that you don't even like doing so that someone else can be like oh nice you know, that's exactly. Yeah. And you hit on a really good point, Paywan. So there's a guy that I, I, um, a a guy called Ramit Sethi. He wrote a book. I knew you were going to bring him up. Yeah. (laughs) He he read a book called, I will teach you to be rich. And, you know, before I read his book, I was like, who is this arrogant guy trying to teach me to be rich. Right. But then I looked at the book, I read the book and he talked about being rich from an experience point of view, not, not just material wealth, right? But about how you decide how you want to spend your money, right? So like for me, I spend money, a lot of money on health related expenses, but for clothing, for whatever, I spend very frugalously because I think what's important to me is my health. So I invest in my health. I pay the gym memberships. I pay for massages. I pay for a lot of stuff that is related to my health. But for clothing, which I feel is just something that keeps me warm and covers my body when I need to go out, I don't spend a lot of money on it. So exactly, you're right. Like The point is, it's not not to spend money, but it's to, to recognize and be aware how you're spending money and why you're spending that money. Right. And not blindlessly spending it just because you want to compete with your uh, your friends or keep yeah. up with the Joneses, uh, <laughs> as, as people say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's completely true. And, and Ramit's uh, blog. So that's another shout out. I will teach you to be rich. Uh, just search it on Google and you'll find out all about him. So Ramit Sethi, and as Rival mentioned, when you hear the title, you're like, first of all, who is this scam artist? And why is he so arrogant? But his content is not at all like that. And I remember when I first graduated university, I read a lot of his blogs about networking, about a lot of different things. And like my mind was completely shattered at the time. All right. So we have covered uh, a lot of good areas, but I know that you're looking at a list of things. Knowing you, you already thought of a list of things. So what else would you like to cover? I make this easy for you, Raibo. I, I, I think um, let's, uh, let's talk about mentorship, the power of mentorship. Um, early in my 20s, I, I've never worked with a mentor and I regret that. Because of that, I kind of took a lot of wrong paths down the road and realized, oh, it was a dead end, right? Or realized that it was not right for me. So I was going through a lot of trial and error, just trying stuff. and. If you think about mentorship, so this came to me one day I was driving to work. So I was uh, on the bridge on the Portman and Google Maps was telling me to take the left lane because uh, it's 10 minutes faster to get to work. I, for some reason, I did not take the left lane. I took the right lane and and I spent 10 extra minutes in the traffic because I didn't listen to to, to Google Maps. So how I see mentorship, it's like a GPS navigation system. They help you see where you want to go and they help you get there. They tell you what are the obstacles in front of you. They foresee some roadblocks, right? It's like it's like Google Maps. So I think the power of mentorship is really working with a mentor early on because you can save yourself a lot of mistakes and a lot of time just trying to do things on your own, right? Um, and that leads me to, to one key lesson is ask for help. We are not almighty. We don't know everything. And really, we need to show vulnerability and ask for help, right? Ask people, hey, how did you do that? Ask people, um, what made you do this? Uh, how did you, what did you do early in your career to help you be more successful? Um, so 
that's another key lesson that I would I would teach myself is about, about mentorship. All right. So I have a lot of questions around that, right? So mentorship, I think historically it's like, you know, people think like you you have probably got the emails yourself now. Hey, can you be my mentor? And it's like, I don't know what that means. Like, what sort of commitment is this? Like, so how, so you mentioned James Fu, for example, you would count him as a mentor that you had previously, right? So tell me what are the things that worked out in terms of mentorship specifically? Like, would you have, I don't know, bi-weekly calls with them? How would, yeah. how would you actually go tactically about picking someone's brain and getting their input on things? That, that that you yeah, that, that, that's a good question, Paymon. So interestingly, I never thought about mentorship um, by, by using certain tactics. Okay, so let, let's take a step back and let me define what I mean by mentorship. I think mentorship is just you having a conversation with someone that is more ahead in life or more experienced than you in a specific area, okay? So whenever I am able to talk to somebody about a certain topic that I'm not, I don't know much about, that's a mentoring conversation for me. So usually it's ad hoc, right? If I, if I have a question, I just reach out to whoever the subject matter expert is. I would talk to them. They would give me some advice, give me some feedback, and then I would go away, right? But in my own calendar, <clears throat> I would set up, um, <clears throat> sorry, I would set up some reoccurring events in my own calendar. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so um, I would set up my calendar just to remind myself, hey, it's been two months, you haven't connected with this person, right? Just to build that ongoing relationship, right? And um, don't dig the well before you're thirsty. Sorry, dig the well before you're thirsty, right? So build, build and maintain relationships. But I don't usually set a set frequency with that person <clears throat> just because I might not have something to talk about. Right. So it's all my gut feeling. And as I said, anytime I can ask somebody a question and they can respond, that's mentorship. I'm going to ask you more questions about this. You can take a sip of water if you need to. Um, so think. So you said that in your own calendar, you would put out a reminder so that you can remember to follow up with someone. Right. And I think, I mean, I personally have felt it, you know, I find someone especially most of the time when you're looking at a mentor, they're, ex they're extremely busy. So in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, I don't want to take too much time from this guy, but I, I really enjoy the conversations that I have with them. And it's like, how do I keep the conversation going or how do I keep that relationship going, right? So talk to me about some of the instances of, I don't know, we don't even have to talk about names, right? The reminder comes up two months later and you're like, yeah, I talked to this person the last time and I got a lot of value. But I really don't know what to talk to them this time, even though I want yeah. to keep the relationship going. So, and that's a good question. And this, this is what I talk to um, students and new grads about networking, right? So if you look at mentorship, this is just a networking uh, practice. So what I do is in my conversations, I would try to ask questions to see where I could possibly provide value to them. And I know when we're young, when we're starting out, it's not easy to know what value we can provide, right? But it could be as simple as, so I had an example where someone was into skiing. And at the time, I just have a ski pass discount. I sent that mentor, I sent that person the ski pass discount. Say, hey, it was really nice talking to you. Thank you for sharing uh, your advice with me. I recall that you love skiing and here's a ski pass discount. Here you go, right? So. I try to provide value wherever I can. And the value can come in, in the term, in the form of a feedback, in the term of a, like a discount code, a coupon, whatever, right? Because each person uh, perceives value differently. What's valuable for you, Paymon, might not be valuable for me, right? So every person perceives value differently. And it's important to provide value that's valuable to that person, right? So. On top of that, what I do is I try to remember and I, I jot down what are the key things I talked about in the previous conversation. Then in the next conversation, I just say, hey, hey, Paymon, what's up? Hey, last time we talked about um, 
me presenting in front of an audience. And I just want to update you on that. My presentation was amazing. Thanks to your advice. And that's got, that gets me going to talk to that person, right? And just say, hey, check in to see what are your thoughts on other topics, right? Or it could be the person was about to go on vacation before uh, when, you're, uh, when you're having that conversation with them last time, I, I would follow up and, hey, how was your vacation to Australia, right? And that, that gets the conversation open again. And then I practice a method called peel the onion, okay? So how you peel the onion is, Whatever the person tells you, you ask a follow-up question to that. And then you, you kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to a level where, hey, you can possibly contribute, right? Um, so that's how I navigate around networking conversations, either providing value or letting them know kind of what happened since our last conversation. It's, that's perfect. So just for the sake of the 20-year-old who is listening, um, okay, give me an ex, give me exactly your thoughts of, let's say you, I don't know, let's say you watch a YouTube video or you watch someone speak or they're in a big meeting and you see someone speak and you're just amazed by the way they handle things, right? And you're interested in order to get more of their thoughts and so-called build a mentorship relationship with them. What are your steps? What are you thinking? Um, and I want to reach out to that person. Yes. You were dying to reach out to that person. Okay. You're a huge fan. <laughs> okay. Um, I would, first of all, see where they are on social media, see how I can engage with them and reach out. Right. So I would reach out on every different social media just to see if I can get the person's attention. Right. Um, I would also try to provide value. Oh, there's an example of um, what I did. Uh, so at the time, who was the speaker? There, there was a speaker um, that I tried to get his attention. I didn't, I wasn't able to get his attention, but it got other people's attention. So I listened to his talk and there's a quote um, that he said, I have no clue what it was back then, but there's a quote that he said, and I, I put it into like a, uh, a little graphic image. So I put his quote, I put his name, I made it look really nice. And I, tweet, I tweeted it on my Twitter. I tagged that person and I, I just did some hashtags. And that's a way to catch people's attention, right? Like instead of trying to ask for something, I'm providing value by putting what he said in a nice format and letting people know that he said that. So it, it serves two things. One thing is you're recognizing that person's quote. You're, you're providing value to that person, the feedback telling them that, hey, they said a great quote. At the same time, you're providing value to your network by sharing that quote out to your network, right? And I have to tell you, Pema, I'm not a good person with remembering details. That's why I don't remember what the actual quote was. I just remember I did this action. And I, even though I didn't get the attention of the speaker, I was able to get new people um, to connect with me on Twitter, on Twitter, and start a conversation there with somebody else, right? That's that's really interesting. All right, so let's move on to the next bucket of things that you have prepared. Is there anything else that you're dying to talk about before I ask you other questions? Let, let's see what you have. Let's see what questions you have to ask. <laughs> uh, so this one is a bit unrelated, but I'm actually curious to know. So I know that. Um, so as you know, I like to read books and whenever I meet someone I ask them what books they like and I remember you were a huge fan of the book Essentialism right and I had a, I had a hunch you're gonna ask that yes so so the reason I asked is because I downloaded it and to be frank I mean it's still on my kindle and I've read like the first like <laughs> I've read the first like I don't know five percent of the book and I'm like all right I get this guy's points why has that book meant so much to you and why do you think it has made such a big impact on you? And for people who don't know, just explain mm. what the premise and the thesis of the book is. Sure. Um, so essentialism um, is basically a teaching of instead of trying to get incremental results in multiple areas in your life, you want exponential result in one single area of your life, 
right? So instead of trying to be, uh, be the average Joe, you're trying to become Michael Jordan, right? So trying to find that area where you can excel and focus in that area to really deliver quality results. So I think I read the book in 2018 and the year the book really helped me transform a lot of my thinking. Because at the time, I think I was at the point where I was managing multiple projects. I was working on many initiatives and I was slightly getting burnt out, right? And I thought I had to do everything at once to really show my value to, to my peers, to my manager at the time, right? And the book introduced me to, instead of being busy, focus on being productive, right? And so instead of trying to be incremental, to get incremental improvements in all areas where people don't recognize you're actually improving, pick one area and truly excel in that area, right? So the book opened my doors to saying no to requests, um, managing my time better, and really thinking about how I can drive um, one area to really excel. And, and I tie that to the area that I'm good at, right? So at the time, I remember I, 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 I'm really good at ideation, coming up with ideas. So instead of saying yes to all the requests that came in, hey, help me review this document, help me review, um, help me review this project charter, I just kind of went out there and tell people, hey, I, I, I'm good at generating ideas. I'm really good at brainstorming. If you have brainstorming opportunities, feel free to come and ask for my help. For other things, um, please reach out to whoever to help, right? I, I need to focus on my aspect of work. So that's what that book has taught me is to really focus on one specific area and try to, in, instead of incremental results in all areas. All right, that's really interesting because yeah, maybe I should give that book another try because I still haven't I still haven't made it past like I don't know page like fifteen. I was like, all right, um, that's really interesting because the, there's another book I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, it's called Range by David Epstein, I think. Uh, yeah, talking about like a generalist. Right? Yeah, so it's like the complete opposite of this, but he is done. He is. I mean, I I just uh, started the book, so I'm like I'm like chapter yeah. two, but he is done fantastic research i'm just i'm just impressed by the amount of work that has gone into that book so far but i'll let you know what i think about it after i read it all right the yeah, i think i think that book um i listened to the audiobook version mm -hmm. and basically <clears throat> the book talks about and this term is kind of up and rising it's called like a combo specialist so yeah. instead of specializing in one area you're you're more or less kind of like specialize in two or three areas and you're able to combine the two or three areas together and i think that's what elon musk is good at he, he he's like he's in multiple areas and he's able to borrow things from one area to another and that's what you don't see from being a very specialized um, person right um so yeah it's definitely interesting essentialism and range they are a little bit in conflict but I also see they can uh, live together harmoniously. Yeah. You know, the, the whole concept of the, I think the other, the other term that gets used is compounding your skills. And the whole concept being that, you know, there's only one Michael, ja Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan or any of the Michaels, Michael Phelps. Reminds me of the Kanye West song. Um, but if you are, top 20% in three or four things and you combine those things together in a meaningful fashion, yeah. then you can be in the top 1%, top 5% of that new category by combining these five different things that don't usually get combined together. And I think that is, that is probably one of the most important pieces of advice that I've heard or one of the most important concepts that I've heard about because it really is true when you think deeply about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that really, that's interesting to me because I feel I tend to have a couple of areas that I excel. And after I got exposed to that concept, 
I just think about how to tie things together, right? Um, so in my work, like I do change management, I tie change management, marketing, and public speaking together. And these are really, these are interesting intersections because I can go out, I can talk about change management and marketing all together at once and talk about how do you leverage change management to, to drive some results, right? So I feel what I'm seeing is we're seeing a trend of these uh, combo specialists appearing, right? People that are good with medicine and coding and public speaking, and then you see like great results from the combination of these three, right? Um, so that's something that was, was, I didn't know about this until late twenties. So that's something that I would tell my, my, my 20 year old self too is, Hey, it's okay to have a couple of areas that you're interested in, but see how you can bridge them together. Right. Cause I think at the time, my, the advice that was given to me was, well, you got to specialize in one area. Right. But we're now moving to an environment where it's multidiscipline, it's interdisciplinary. You need to work with a lot of people. You need to understand how different parts of uh, the system work. And having that understanding of different areas, and if you know a bit more, then you're you're much more off, much better off than someone who's only specialized in one area. So Rival, this is gonna be a tough one, right? So okay. Rival, 20 year old himself, right? Remember yeah. your 20 year old self, you're excited about life and now he is listening to this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And we're approaching the end of the conversation. Given that you love your younger self, what yeah. else would you want to share with them? So aside from, so assuming that he listened to this podcast yeah, episode. He's been, now, he's been listening to this whole episode, but yeah. soon enough, he's going to turn it off. Yeah. And now he wants to know what else. And don't look at your list. Just come up with No, something. no, I don't, I don't, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Um, I would tell, I would tell um, this young ribo that's listening, have patience. Good things take time. Have patience. Um, you don't see results in day one. It takes time to see results. And I would talk about the Chinese bamboo tree. So <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this. I have not. Um, okay, let me, let, me tell, let me tell you about this. So, uh, it, so I heard this from a guy called Les Brown. So he's a motivational speaker. So he talked about this story called the Chinese bamboo tree. In the Far East, there's a, there's a bamboo tree. So um, they planted seeds, right? They want to grow the bamboo tree. Five years, okay, five years, the bamboo tree is under the soil, right? The seeds are growing, five years. So within five years, the tree did not surface out the soil. But then within two weeks, the bamboo tree grew past six feet, okay? Did the bamboo tree grow in two weeks or five years? And that's the power of patience, right? Good things are happening. You just got to focus on putting in the work, focus on the process, and have patience to wait for things to grow. That's what I would tell the younger younger uh, version of myself. Because yeah. I was just an arrogant ass back then. I was impatient. Was I wanted to yeah. see. I want to see results right away. Um, and if things don't show up right away, I would just move on and try something else. But I think that one of the biggest regrets is I never stuck to something um, long enough to see results until I learned it's too late, right? So that's like the 20 year old self. When you can like kind of tie this whole thing back together, right? If you're doing something that energizes you, yeah. you don't care about other people's opinion, you'll keep going at it. And then once you have enough patience to keep going at it for a long time, you see the rewards for it. And I think one of the most important things is just, again, all that matters is your subjective understanding of what's going on in your life, right? If you feel like you're improving every day, if you feel like you're taking a step forward, that's all that matters. And it reminds yeah. me of, of uh, Ray Dalio. I was, I was listening to a conversation with him and he was like, 
if I don't listen to a conversation I had five years ago and think to myself, wow, I didn't know anything, I have not improved in the past five years, right? And I was like, that's such a good way of thinking about it, you know, because we all look back at our lives and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it's a good thing. You look back and you're like, oh, I was so stupid. All right, right, Bo, I think we have talked for long enough. Is there any final words you want to say before we wrap this up? Well, two things. Uh, right. Number one, since you mentioned Ray Dalio, read his book, The Principles. Mm-hmm. The, the listeners out there, read his book. He wrote his life lessons down to the level of detail that you cannot simply imagine. Read his book. Um, and number two, uh, I just want to share a, a quote that I learned recently about success by, by Michelle Obama. Um, success is not what others think of you. It's how you feel inside. And that is a very powerful quote to me because it, it, ma- it matches what I've, been, what I've learned about myself is you take the outward definition of success and you move it to inside yourself. Right. And lastly, hey, I just want to thank you again, Paymon, for inviting me on your podcast. Um, I know today we had a lot of random thoughts and it's been a huge pleasure, Paymon, to really chat with you about random things and a a good chance to really help me reflect on uh, what I would tell my 20 year old self. So I really appreciate the opportunity. No problem. It's all right, but I genuinely enjoy these conversations and I'm doing this because this gives me energy. <laughs> so I'm tying it to the whole conversation that we had. I really appreciate your time. Well, you heard what our thoughts are. I would love to hear what's yours. Go to anchor.fm slash that random thought and send us a voice note letting us know what you think.